Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Stern Chats. My name is Khalil Roman. I'm Haley Wilcox. And today I'm really, really thrilled to say we'll be talking about something that's super close to my heart. Um, we're going to be talking about the topic of grief, which I think sits outside the typical boundaries of like, quote unquote, business school conversation. Um, but I know this has been an integral part of my time at business school. And Haley, I think it's fair to say you would feel the same. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think grief and going through it while getting your MBA is very important to create a dialogue around. Today, we're creating a space for difficult conversations, creating a space for healing and starting a dialogue more about difficult emotions that are intertwined with receiving your MBA. I know for me, I was partially so thrilled to hear you pitch this topic. Uh, because I think it's more common than we know or maybe even would like to admit. Uh, and something that's been both heartbreaking but a huge source of support is coming to this realization that so many other Sternies in my community have gone through or, or are going through the same thing I am as well. So I'd hope that this almost serves as a beacon to others to know that it's okay to have these conversations and put yourself out there. You might be surprised at how many other folks uh, are kind of living the same life that you're living. Before we start our episode, uh, we just like to dedicate this episode to three lovely, lovely people. The first is Diane Wilcox, my mama. I dedicate this episode to Libya Romaine, my mom. I am dedicating this episode to my sister, Kelly Gilson. And with that, let's start. Today we're joined by MBA2, Sarah Gilson, originally from the Bay Area, Lafayette, my hometown as well, to be exact. Sarah is specializing in entertainment and media. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being with us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. Awesome. So I think what I'd like to do to start this conversation off is we can maybe roundtable a little bit and, and talk about what our experiences have been and, and the journeys that brought us to this room today. Um, Sarah, as our esteemed guest, if you'd like to, to maybe kick us off. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation as hard as it may be. I think it's important. Uh, yeah. So I lost my 26-year-old sister a few months ago. Uh, she passed away on August 29th um, of a an undiagnosed heart condition. Uh, we still don't totally know, you know, if there was any way of preventing it. Um, but I found out, um, we got a call. She was living in South Carolina at the time. We got a call on August 30th, um, that she had passed and I boarded a flight to New York on August 31st to move into my new apartment for school. So, um, on the one hand, it was, I'm glad I was able to be there for that when we found out and was able to be there for my parents through those critical first few hours. Um, but it was definitely a challenge literally getting on a plane the next morning and coming out here to New York. Um, I'm from California, so pretty far away. But I had a conversation with my parents that night, and we all agreed that you know, I needed to be here for the extent that I could be, knowing that I would probably have to be going back and forth a lot, which I have over the last few months. But yeah, just trying to, you know, we just passed the three-month mark, so just trying to wake up every day and do what I got to do and, you know. There's a couple of things you said there that really resonate with me personally. I think some of the themes I'd love to touch on today, first is definitely that tension between, you know, being present to the extent possible while we're here, but also really learning to embrace and accept 
the role that our, our families are going to play during this time and all the other equally important things that are going to be pulling our focus. I think that was really hard for me to navigate over these two years at Stern. Um, I think the other thing is definitely the support of the Stern community. I think if there was ever any doubt that this is the right place for me to be, the way people have shown up for me has has definitely put those fears kind of to rest for sure. Um, and then I also think there's just something to be said for how you put it like day by day. Yeah. And I think that is really counter to a lot of how people like to show up to an MBA experience. And unfortunately, you know, I think that feeds into a little bit of the illusion we like to tell ourselves around control and, and the things that we can have impact on. When at the end of the day, like all any of us are really doing is is managing our lives day by day. And I think when we're going through the sorts of processing that we've been going through in this room, it's really, really immediately obvious that, that that's the way the world works. Yeah. Um, Haley, do you want to talk a little bit about what your year's been like? So starting my MBA, I never thought I'd end up where I am now at this seat, also being able to tell my story and my mom's. Um, last year being hybrid was a gift in the long run, too. Um, my mom originally had breast cancer in 2008. It was type two. Uh, it was type two or case two. I'm getting confused with diabetes. Huh? Um, I'm not a doctor. So <laughs> and I remember... When I went back last year for winter break after the first year, it was misdiagnosed as a bulging disc, and I kind of knew something was deeply wrong, but we just couldn't put our finger on it. Um, and I flew back. I was hesitant to start the second semester in person. And on March 9th, my mom thought she was having a heart attack, called an ambulance, and turned out her breast cancer from 08 came back, and it was metastasized. Um, I flew back the next day to take care of her. Um, to be honest, like, I never knew what metastasized meant until I went there. I didn't know until the fourth hospital visit that it meant past stage four. Um, I was lucky to be like with my twin sister and my brother, her hostess, her, her hostess nurse, her caregiver, um, her daughter, and all that. And one, um, I was with her for three months. I was lucky to be with her. Uh, she passed on June second. It was really hard coming back, knowing that, like, one, like, this big part of me isn't physically here right now. Like, I don't know what happens after, but I was really contemplating, like, how do I keep going? Even though, like, one, you can't compare someone's grief to another person's or whatnot. But when I started this semester, I thought about the concept of and. So being able to be an MBA student and also more my mom. Um, being open with people and being my full self in, in front of somebody. And so, like, I'm so grateful to be here with you two today to bring up the theory of and and talk about what we're going through during this, like, our second year at Stern. Um, so that's my intro. Um, yeah. Khalil, too, would love to hear, too, um, your experience. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I love that idea of and. Um, for me, like a major loss really – like I thought I knew it meant when people were like, oh, like the world has changed. But that always felt so hyperbolic. But it's not hyperbolic at all. It's like, oh, your whole world has changed. Even the meaning of words like inconceivable. Like I would have found it inconceivable for my mom to pass before. And now that she has, it's like, oh, no, it was genuine. Like I literally couldn't conceive of this possibility. Yeah. And the same with the word and. I think like – I was very used to we're moving through the world in a certain way, and I don't have to lose all of that just because this has changed me. But like, I can fold in kind of the new layers of 
I would hope wisdom at the very least experience um, that have kind of changed my personality and then the kind of person I aspire to be without totally like throwing the baby out with the bathwater and, and mm. starting over from scratch. Um, but yeah, so my journey, um, been on this journey a little bit longer, it sounds like, than, than both of you. So in the run up to business school, um, kind of right after I did my, what turned out to be my only GMAT attempt, um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer as well, um, triple negative, which mm. is very aggressive, which I didn't know at the time. Um, both my parents are very positive spiritual people, and so they kind of did what I think you have to do when you're in those positions, which is focus on the good, focus on like a lot of asset-based thinking, so like what can we control, what can we do, how can we make sure we have the right mentality going through this, and all of that was very inspirational and, and very educational for me, like in and of itself. Um, but around the time that our acceptances, like program acceptances were going out, so this would be last spring, and also the pandemic was like really ramping up, um, it just became very clear that, or it became increasingly clear, I should say, uh, that my mom just wasn't going to get better. And so I spent the summer kind of running up into business school doing end-of-life care. So I really uh, can relate to some of the experiences that Haley, I think you and your family had as well. Um, something I really struggle with is the notion of losing somebody without saying goodbye. I think it's difficult and easier, obviously, in different ways. Um, at the end of the day, I'm very grateful for the time I had with my mom kind of uh, – in the last few weeks of her life especially and that opportunity to show how much I love and appreciate her by giving her the care that she deserved and that she definitely gave to us throughout my entire life. Um, but it's traumatic. And it definitely, yeah. definitely just changed the way uh, I think in the person I am. It definitely, definitely impacted the way that I showed up uh, at business school and I think it's continued to do so um, over the months and, and now, you know, coming into our last semester here. Um, so I've, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what are the ways in which I think I'm a better person and a mm -hmm. stronger person for showing up with all of this, for lack of a better word, baggage. Um, but at the same time, trying to be just aware that the time we have here is short and I just want to make sure I'm not foregoing any experiences that, you know, I might regret later on. But it's tough. It's really hard to, to strike that balance. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear more about kind of how, for both of you, um, these experiences have impacted the way you show up at school. And I ask this with this reality in mind that, like, so many of our classmates are going through things that we just never, ever see. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to be a host this year is because we were going to have conversations, and we are having conversations, I think, that we don't really get to have in the classroom. Yeah. Um, I know there have definitely been moments where I've, like, shown up in a social context or a classroom context and, like, hit a home run and at the same time been like, what even just came out of my mouth? Like, why am I smiling right now? Like, almost a sense of disassociation sometimes between, like, where I am as a business school student and who I am as you know, Khalil, Libya's son. Yeah. Um, do you guys relate with that? And what's it, I don't know, what's it been like for you both? One, it's interesting that all three of us are in very different stages of grief. Mm. Um, I remember when I was three months out, that's when I was the rawest. Um, also, like, I don't know what it's going to look like in the next three months either. But coming back with this different perspective and going through the trauma um, and a big loss, I think for me, like my motivators have changed. Mm. I'm not driven for an A. I'm not driven um, to kill it or kill myself over an essay. But I think for me, I've been able to put a different perspective on it. I remember I'd get really stressed out caregiving. Like I'd mess up my mom's cream of wheat and be like, I'm so sorry, I fucked up. Like, let me redo it. Um, 
And, like, instead of blowing up, I start questioning, is it worth it? So at school, questioning, like, is it worth to stress out over this? Is it worth, like, giving my all? Um, questioning that. It's been able to kind of simplify things, too. But I know for me, coming back, it's almost like my reservoir has been tapped dry. Um, it's like you give, you give, you give. But at the moment, like, I don't feel like I'm bubbling over with water to give someone else my energy. Mm. And so a lot of times, too, questioning, like, am I doing this for other people or for me? Does it give me joy or not? And I think by questioning more, I'm able to kind of take a step back and think about, like, well, what's really important? Um, I still don't know. But I think recently with recruiting, um, doing spring recruiting, which I think traditionally in this in this setting is seen as – oh, you're doing spring recruiting, you don't have it locked in, like, that must that must suck. But instead, I've been trying to evaluate myself through either my eyes or my mom's eyes, and not mm. through, like, the typical MBA program. And I think with that, it's been more freeing. Um, and also, finally, like, my mindset is I'm mourning, but I'm also celebrating. Celebrating because my mom was an MBA, too, wearing, like, her, her watch was with me on the first day of school. I wore, like, a little piece of her her jewelry every every month so she was on the journey with me too um and i think just being kinder on myself has has really helped me he- try to heal first i love that yeah i have a couple things that come to mind the first for me being when i came to new york i really didn't know anyone in the mba program mm-hmm. i had the opportunity to meet a few people as an orientation leader in late August, uh, which happened to be a couple of days before my sister passed. Um, But I didn't really know anyone. I hadn't really made strong connections. I didn't really have friends. And so I think showing up in New York and starting to go to things those first few days of September when I didn't know anyone and I was dealing with this, you know, very raw grief Mm. was really challenging. And I think I'm not a super outgoing person to begin with. So it made it really easy to just kind of withdraw and avoid being around people and sort of stay in my apartment, kind of do what I had to do, but not do anything else. And I think that was challenging. It made it very lonely. Mm -hmm. And I think it took me a little bit to realize that if I wanted to make friends and really become a part of the Stern community, I needed to put some effort in. That sitting in my apartment wasn't going to change that and that there was a way for me to do that while still being able to manage everything that I was going through. And I think being okay to talk about it because I think sometimes things come up in casual conversation, whether it's, oh, do you have any siblings? Yeah. I actually had that happen to me over the weekend. Somebody asked me if I have siblings and I, it took me a second. I, was, I mean, do I? I did. Like, it's such a weird question, you know, and in that moment, I decided to just keep it simple and say, you know, I'm an only child. And then the follow up question was, oh, what's that been like? You know, you must be so used to it. And then I then I paused and I said, well, no, I'm not really used to it. And this person had no idea and I can't expect them to, you know, and so I think it's I have to be comfortable in those situations talking about it. And that being okay. And it ended up leading to a wonderful conversation with this person about someone that they had lost 
and ended up bringing a third person into the conversation who had lost someone too. And it's, I think I left that conversation feeling, you know, that there are more people going through this than you know, and that we're not alone going through this. And so I think it's awkward sometimes. And I feel like, I don't know if you guys can relate, but sometimes when those conversations happen and people say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bring it up. I'm so, and it's like, no, it's okay. I can't, A, I can't expect anyone to know. People ask these questions. They're not asking them maliciously. They're, you know, you're trying to connect with people. It's a normal question, you know? And I think that it can be hard sometimes having to reassure those people, like, I'm okay, don't worry about it. But I also think it's important to be comfortable talking about it. Um, And I think the other thing for me more specifically about business school is I am now an only child, I guess. Um, I'm my parents' only living child. And um, my parents both went to business school. They're both incredibly successful. And I have been so focused on... I've always been focused. I'm the oldest. Um, I've always been sort of like the high-achieving one. And I all... I want to do is make my parents proud and I feel like that is so much more exacerbated now because not only do I want to make them proud but I want to be there for them constantly and I feel guilty enough being so far away even though I've seen them pretty much every few weeks since this happened but I think it's hard I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to sort of be everything for them yeah and I think that I'm having to sort of balance that because on the one hand, it feels like that's how I can honor them and the sacrifices that they've made is to make everything that I can out of this experience and work hard and be involved in everything. And But on the other hand, I'm just exhausted yeah. all the time. And I think that part of that exhaustion is just from, you know, dealing with the emotional sort of stress of what my parents are going through. I feel like I haven't really hit my grieving period yet. It's still been very much about them and making sure they're okay. So I think that it's, it's an interesting balance. Yeah. So much of that really hit really close to home for me too. Um, I think the first thing I wanted to definitely reinforce is that notion of like speaking about it definitely helps. At least it helped me. I don't know if I ever got to a place where I feel I feel like I'm comfortable speaking, at least not yet. You know, like I really struggle when some, like I do have to be like, oh yeah, you know, my mom passed away and you immediately get like the, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what to say to that sorry. I think like. Yeah, I feel like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like I, I guess like it's, I mean, I'm sorry that this is now an awkward conversation so we can both be sorry. Um, but I have learned how to be much more comfortable in the uncomfortableness of it. And for me, that's where a lot of strength came from. Like, I, I don't put pressure on myself to know the perfect thing to say um, because there's not a perfect thing to say. And, like, I don't really – I'm still going – I'm still definitely in process going back and forth between, like, you know, do I show up to the social event because I really want to reinforce my network or tonight at night where it, the healthier thing for me to do is – get under the covers, put on, you know, a Bob's Burger rerun and uh, look at old pictures. Like sometimes it's going to be the former, sometimes it's going to be the latter. And I don't know if there's like a hard, I haven't found a hard rule for how to find that right balance. Um, And that also really extends to all like the many feelings like that came up for me listening to how you think about your parents. And I'm sure Haley, you can also relate to this. Something that I hadn't 
known to think about when I used to think about the eventuality that I would lose a parent is that the family dynamic just completely changes. And that seems so obvious now, but again, to go back to the world inconceivable, like it's inconceivable for me to have a family that's missing this like enormous central tenant. Um, but it's the world we live in now. And so trying to balance how do I like rebuild my family or protect my family and like help us establish whatever this new family looks like while also making the most of this like elite MBA experience and setting myself up for the next, you know, chapter of my career. Um, again, that tension is just, it's something I feel like I struggle with every single day. And I think that struggle definitely shows up in, in maybe some of the, the ways I, I show up to class and things like that. I think one thing that my perspective has changed with everything is, like, we only control 5% of our whole life. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is a timeline you don't know you're on, but it's working out for some weird, weird reason. So for me, knowing with Grace, I don't need to know what's happening next month. Can I get through this week? Great. Am I buying my groceries? Great. Um, And giving, like, more self-care there. Um, I also think, too, like, for you guys, I really just think about my mom like almost every minute. It's the only thing I think about. Um, whenever I get to talk about her, I love talking about her, whether it's like her favorite song comes on or whatnot. And I was speaking with someone yesterday, and they said one way we process as people is just, one, talking about it, crying about it, but also like moving it through our bodies. Mm. What's like some ways you guys have found a great way to either like relieve your grief or help you process to, um, for me, like I love therapy. I have three therapists right now. Shout out to the team. Um, But also like writing my mom letters, like that's Mm. helped me tell her like what happened today, what I wish she saw. And I know, too, in the next year, in the next five years, process this processing is going to look different, too. It's just going to be a different stage. Love letters. I definitely have written my mom more than a few. Um, I went through the hardest breakup of my life not too long after she had passed. And so there was a couple months there where I was grieving really intensely. Just the loss of, like, the two most important women who I've ever known. Um, and letters then were really, imp- really helpful because they kind of helped me put all those feelings somewhere. Um, to think about the physicality of it for me, like I grew up in a family of walkers. Like we traveled a lot. The best way to discover a new city is absolutely to walk it. I love this city. This was kind of a homecoming for me. I grew up outside the city. I went to undergrad in the city. Um, I'm obviously going to grad school in the city. And I've been in Denver for so long, and so walking around this place, which has so many familial um, kind of components to to a lot of the sensory memories that I have of Manhattan and Brooklyn and definitely Queens, where there's a really big Colombian um, population or just community. Uh, yeah, all that stuff, just being out in the air has been huge. Um, the other big one, my mom loved botanical gardens. So going to places that you know would bring that person that you're thinking about joy has been something that's really helpful for me and not... Immediately, like I think it's different at different depending on where I am mentally. Um, but at the better moments of the last whatever it's been a year and a half, uh, yeah, those moments of knowing, like, oh, I'm sitting on a bench next to some flowers that she would absolutely like go gaga for. Um, that's been where I feel like I can release a little bit of of the pain that usually like is nestled right there at my chest. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of just getting out and seeing things and exploring. Having people so close to me that have experienced it, um, obviously the circumstances are always different, but I think having people that get it 
has been so, so important. And I think, too, just, like, my friendships with, so, with every, you know, all of my close friends in my life have been so supportive. I mean, my best friends from L.A. flew up for my sister's memorial. So I think that having people in my life that I can talk about it with when I want to talk about it, but I also don't have to talk about mm -hmm. it. And being able to you know, allow myself to have good days and laugh and yeah. do things that make me happy and not feel guilty. I think that's important um, because I think sometimes there can be that sort of guilt factor of why am I having a good day? I really resonate with you about like the complexity of emotions, how you can have joy and sadness in one bout. I remember when my mom was in the ICU and I knew that we were at the end. I remember going back to her friend's place two blocks away to stay close and crying my eyes out and then laughing so hard, but both were so, so healing. Um, and grief looks different. You can't compare anyone's grief. Also, like a breakup is still grief. Losing, losing your dream is a grief. Losing a loved one is a hard, hard grief. Um, so my mom gave my, my sister breakup advice last year. We were able to write it down, and it's from Joan Didion's Year of Magical Thinking, and it really resonates with what you just said, Sarah. Um, and whenever I'm really sad, I just go back to this quote. Um, my mom said, grief has a mind of its own. It will hit you out of the blue in unexpected moments. It mirrors how much we've loved. It's uncomprehensible to understand. It's a touchstone to our love and humanity. You can't plan for it or do anything to stop it or change its tempo or existence. It's a part of life. It's not good or it's bad. So I love what she says next. She says, there are infinite new moments of joy that await you, but it's okay and it's important to pay grief respect and you can take, in, take it in even better, like take in the joy even better and be more appreciative of for me, like being able to shower by myself, breathe and wipe my own ass, like I never thought I'd be like thankful for that. Um, but I understand too of like there can be a mixture of like how am I feeling everything at once in this one moment too. I really, really like that quote. Um, Sarah, you also mentioned something that really struck really close to home for me, which is how this is kind of like just being part of, I think Haley, you said this when we got a drink the other day. It's kind of like being part of a very shitty club. Yeah. <laughs> like you and you oh, yeah. find other people who know this really, because it's just impossible to communicate unless you've been through it, which I'm sure is, I would have found very annoying beforehand. Um, but now I get it. And so I've definitely found a community here at Stern. I think generally that's been super kind and supportive and I'm very grateful for that. I think going through this in the unique context of an MBA experience, like the built-in professional network for me has like pretty rapidly evolved into a much more authentic built-in, like genuine network of friends, which mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have had that same mentality, you know, two or three years ago even. Um, and then within that, just knowing like there's just this even smaller but extremely important community of folks who truly do understand what I'm going through. And that's been massively helpful as well. Um, I do want to also take a moment to talk a little bit about the other parts of being at business school that make this unique. And so for me, the most obvious and biggest has been like all the mental health resources here. I can't say enough good things about um, the mental health support kind of teams that NYU is able to offer. Um, you know, the 10 free sessions. I think I was really intimidated because you sign up through the student health portal. And yeah. it feels like, okay, so like I just submitted a form, like a form, what's actually going to happen. But once you're in process and you actually get into that first meeting, 
Um, I don't know if I would still be here without, I definitely wouldn't, st- I, I know for a fact I would not still be here in business school without all of the like massive support that the mental health or I guess student health in general was able to provide. And then on top of that, like accommodations to the Moses Center and all that stuff. Um, I'm really grateful for that kind of institutional support. Have there been other moments or resources or just things that have happened that have kind of struck you as unique to going through this journey in this kind of chapter of your life? Yeah. I mean, I remember I when I first got here, I mentioned it, what I was going through to a couple of people that I knew sort of, but I didn't really know anyone well at that point. And I remember bringing it up as a, you know, if I'm out in public and I'm going to like, for whatever reason, I'm going to freak out and like have a breakdown or something's going to happen. I need somebody to know like what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And so I remember mentioning it to a couple of people and then fast forward a week or two and I got this beautiful bouquet of flowers from Stern and from Eskov um, and with this beautiful note. And that to me just, just was, it meant so much. It was just so you know, first time getting flowers at my new apartment here, and I didn't even know how they got my address. They somehow found my address and got me flowers, and it was, that was really lovely. And I think, too, just talking about it with professors or with Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. TFs and just kind of explaining. I think it's important, you know, to just be up front and say, this is like, this is my situation. You know, how can we work together on it? I think that everyone has just been so accommodating and wonderful and um, you know, I've had professors write me notes saying, you know, I'm praying for your family and just it means a lot. You know, it really to every little comment or every little positive anything, it means a lot. Yeah. And I, I think what you spoke about earlier is like you never know what someone's going through. You never know what a classmate is going through. But it's the small actions that can have like that are amplified even more too. so being able to support. Um, I think also, too, the hardest part is saying Either you need help or you're dealing with this big thing, but once you're able to speak it out into the universe, one, it's not as scary once you say it out loud, too, but also you can be swooped up by this amazing network um, that can help you. I remember for me, um, like Nate Pettit was amazing during LIO last year. I cried so much with him, and he was able to put together a great game plan of like how to go through the rest of my classes. And then a huge shout out to Eric Goldstein and John Newfeld and Darcy because they're the only reason I passed finance last semester too. So I think it's once you're able to tell people what's on your plate, what you're going through. Stern has the EQ. Like I'm going to use that marketing term again to understand like how can they bridge you to your like better self or help you get through a shitty midterm season. I love that. Yeah, I. It's funny to hear you mention EQ because that's another thing where I think, in a parallel universe where I'm still very happily hanging out with my mom constantly, I don't know if I really connect with the, the truth behind the EQ IQ framework yeah. here. I think it, the cynic in me coming into business school is very easy to write that off as a marketing gimmick, but I do think as part of going through all of this, I've come to appreciate all the ways in which it's very much not just a marketing gimmick, and it really is we woven into the fabric of like our community and that's that has made all the difference for me here and you know as I mentioned without like all those resources I don't think I'd have been able to continue the business school experience but like I'm also not really very confident I could have continued it anywhere else period I think like this community in particular has been really uniquely sensitive and compassionate and Mm -hmm. that has made all the difference for me as well I wanted to shout out a couple of people that have been super 
have gone out of their way um, to make me feel sort of comfortable and supported as part of this community. Um, Connor Grennan, Dean of Students, is one of the first people I told um, during the MBA2 sort of welcome back. I went to the morning session and I was sitting there and I was like, I cannot go this afternoon. I just, I can't. And I so I went up and talked to him very briefly. He was super supportive. Then he goes, can I tell Dean Ragu? He'd really want to know. And I said, yeah, sure. And I a couple hours later, I got a beautiful email from Dean Ragu. Um, Connor has checked in on me. Um, I also really wanted to shout out Brittany Bowie and Karat Khan, uh, both of whom, they were two of the first people I told just because they were two people that I sort of knew. And they both have continued to check in on me this semester, always go out of their way to, you know, say hi to me or ask how I'm doing when they see me out or see me in class. So, and there's so many more. I mean, I'm so happy, you know, to be able to sit here and chat with both of you. Um, I feel like it's, if there's a silver lining or a positive thing you can get out of a, such a terrible thing to have gone through, it's that your community can continue to grow and find people that, you know, for whatever reason, they you're brought together because of this terrible, awful thing. But you know, they're people that can, you know, really make an impact on your life. So I think that's something I would really want, you know, thinking about this conversation, something I hope listeners are able to take away is even if this is so far, fortunately, so far from your own lived experience up to date and like it feels really far away from you, just those small things like the text to check in, the email to kind of confirm to your students that they are in fact people and it's okay to be a person who's going through real stuff. Um, every single name you guys dropped, I have a very positive, loving kind of anecdote, very similar. Um, and I would hope that that's what the leaders or I would hope that that's what the listeners are able to take away. It's that as uncomfortable as I remember it being to be on the other side of someone's loss, someone who, you know, to whatever degree of a friend, as hard as some of these conversations might be as weird as it might be to see someone who's, you know, your business school buddy be so, so sad, like the kind words, the check-in, the support on homework, the leniency on like a deadline, like all of that rolls up to just making such a huge, huge difference. I think that's a great jumping off point to, to one of the other questions we want to touch on, which is just what are things that the student community you think does well or can continue to do well or should be working to improve on to kind of make sure that folks who are either going through grief or whatever the case may be um, might feel better supported. So I think we've plugged we've plugged uh, some of the student health resources which I think are really great. I can't speak highly enough of any yeah. of the NYU therapists with whom I've, I've connected. Um, I'm trying to imagine someone who tragically is maybe newly in this position and maybe they've you're in the future and you've stumbled on this episode and I'm so sorry you found yourself here. In addition to the health resources that we've plugged so far, reaching, being vulnerable, I think we've spoken to the benefit of that. Are there other things you think folks should know um, when they're in our, in our shoes? Yeah, I mean, I think don't be afraid to speak up. People like your professors, your TFs, they're mm. not going to know what you're going through if you don't tell them. And I think that it can be intimidating and, you know, certainly you're in the beginning of a new class and the last thing you want to do is be like, hey, so I'm going through this thing. But I think that it's hugely helpful because they can't they can't help you if you don't ask for help. Can I say, you dropped a word earlier that was like the poisonous MBA word for me, which is excuse. Mm -hmm. And I think especially given the kind of person who shows up at business school, it's really 
toxically easy to start to feel guilty like you're using what you're going through as an excuse and I definitely you know I dragged my feet like I've never needed special accommodations before even in like the most intense depths of my grief kind of related depression and like I would mentally like I'm not able to hold on to information anymore like I had some pretty intense physiological kind of reactions to all that and even with all that I was like I don't need an exception I'm very smart I work hard it's fine it's okay not to be fine. And like yeah. those accommodations are a built-in institutional support system for a reason. And they're there not because you are making an excuse to get out of work, but they're there because you are not on the same level playing field as everybody else in the classroom right now. And that's nobody's fault. It's in no way a reflection of your capacity to excel or succeed. It just is what it is. And the only thing I think about a lot is my mom. And so being able to actually say what I feel or say what's on my mind is liberating in the fact of it's off my chest and I feel like I can process it even more by talking about it with someone. Um, and also just like sitting in the emotions, which is the hardest part of grieving, mm -hmm. but being able to know that this too shall pass. Um, but like being able to sit with your, your thoughts or your feelings too is one of the most healing practices you can do like in the moment. Um, but I'm again, not a therapist. Yeah, <laughs> we cannot have enough of that disclaimer. We're just three people trying to figure it out and reflecting on our business school experience. Uh, there's something, Haley, you mentioned, which is this notion of being kind to yourself, which I'd also like to kind of circle back to. Um, one of the most consistent pieces of advice my mom gave me my whole life, starting from like when what was clearly probably the antecedent of like some anxiety issues was coming up in elementary school and I'd be freaking out over like a pop quiz or a spelling test up through like applying to business school and, and figuring out what I was going to do for my internship. Um, she always, always, always came back to just do your best, which like it got to the point where I must have been so annoying because she would even have like a very unique exasperated tone too, which is like clear like it's literally as long as you do your best, like that has served you so well your whole life. It serves that's all anyone's ever able to do. So just do your best. And there have been many, many, many times this year or in this business school experience, I should say. Where, you know, I haven't been able to show up to an academic or social event the way I wish I could, the way I kind of would have liked to be able to pressure myself or beat myself up into doing. But then I just hear that in the back of my head, which is just like, just do your best. Like, maybe you're not going to hit 100 on this exam, but like, you learned the material, you showed up. You, the class was somewhat better for the contributions you made to it. That's like enough. Like, you made the effort that you can make. Yeah. That's it. No, 100%. The idea of being kind to yourself no matter where you are, what you're doing, um, being kind to others. But I think all everyone in this room, the hardest critic is ourselves. We mm -hmm. put too much pressure on ourselves. And like Sarah's story and Khalil's story I identify with. And I feel like there's so many other classmates that we can relate to as well. Mm -hmm. So seeing, seeing like how can I be kind to myself? How can I give myself a break? Because life is fucking hard enough. And I'm sorry, I swore. <laughs> no, but I, I love that because it's, it is so disparate from, I think, the comfort a lot of us take in, like, the more mainstream business school narrative of, like, we're here to grind, here to make our dreams come true, like, the sky's the limit. And I think that can be very seductive, actually, even in the, the worst depths of kind of grief because you want to go I, – I, I can speak for myself. I have wanted to go back to that because it's very comfortable and, and familiar to go back to that mindset of, like – almost want to call it not 
to be like dismissive, but like the rat race, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, but that's just not who I am anymore. I don't know that you can go through this kind of loss and still be that person to the same extent anymore. Um, so yeah, just embracing the ways in which you've changed and acknowledging that like some of that rat race just isn't for me. And so I know we're towards the end of our interview. Um, one would just like to first say thank you so much for one, your resilience, also being able to speak with us and share your vulnerabilities. Um, if you had to give us one takeaway to what you'd like to say uh, to our Stern community, Sarah, what, what would you like to say? Oh, man, that's a lot of pressure. I know. <laughs> also, I know we we're just talking about pressure, but also, so that might have been too much. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Speaking it's, of pressure. Yeah. Speaking of pressure, come up with this super eloquent quote. <laughs> I just want to say thank you both for having me here and for having this sort of open and honest dialogue. I think that you know, one theme that we've kind of come back to a couple of times during this chat is just check on the people in your life. Ask them how they're doing and ask them in a way that's, you know, you you know, you know actually care about how they're doing, you know, rather than, a, you know, hey, what's up, you know, very casual. Ask people how they're really doing and be prepared for if that answer is, you know, it's tough or it's heavy. I agree 100 percent. Just being able to be present for someone and listen, that goes so much more beyond having to fix it because this is something mm. you can't fix um and Khalil too if you have any parting words yeah I mean so one of the things I've really been sitting with a lot especially the last few months in like this phase of wherever I'm at with my grief is is how much I want to lead with love and I think that's something that even without me asking for it, a lot of the steering community has been able to do um, one of my favorite stories is, you know, as so my mom passed like about a week before my 30th birthday, um, which was obviously really hard. I had been gone for so long. So I just come back to the to my hometown to help care for her. Um, and so, you know, when I turned 30, there was actually this huge surprise birthday party at the same park. She had a surprise birthday party for me uh, when I was like 10. Um a lot like the same, you know, the pinata, the tres leches cake, all the things that make me feel like a kid again um and to know that she was at that stage of her terminal illness i think a lot of folks don't appreciate that cancer is very 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 ugly it is not what it looks like on tv or in the movies um she was going through it and still top of mind was like my fully grown adult son is turning 30 what can we do to make him feel special even if i'm not going to be here to do it um i'm never going to forget that because like what a great way to personify that like concept of leading with love first and everything else just kind of comes second and so I ask myself every day how I can try to show up that way for the people I care about I definitely feel very lucky I think a lot of people whether they realize it or not show up that way for me Um, and so I would just ask that whoever happens to catch this podcast episode thinks about the way that they can do that for others because for where I'm sitting uh, when it's all said and done that's one of the few things that supersedes death itself Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here today. I really, really valued our conversation. Um, I really appreciate you being as like raw and vulnerable as you have been. It made me easier. It made it easier for me to show up the same way. Um, so yeah, thank you for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you to the Stern Studio for allowing us to tape here today in person. Thank you to our listeners. Um, we look forward to continuing difficult dialogues throughout the year. Take care. 